Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. I uh, kind of surprised as I look out into the congregation this morning, I don't see any handkerchiefs. <laughs> that wouldn't have fit. Hey, I see one. I see one. All right. And another one. And another one. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, that wouldn't offend me at all as well. And so, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. I tell you what, we've had some great preaching and singing here on Monday nights. And uh, God has just been so good to us. And uh, tomorrow night is not going to be a not, not an exception of what we've already experienced as well. We're going to have another great preacher Brother Rock Collins is going to be here, and he always does a terrific job, and he's a great, great preacher. Then the following Monday, I am privileged to have my brother to be here. Uh, he is a preaching machine as well. I'm telling you, he is a strong, hard preacher, and you'll be blessed by his preaching as he comes the following week. Well, we have been talking about for the last several weeks, godly principles for a godly life. Today we're going to be talking about another principle that every believer needs to be aware of and needs to practice and exercise. For some reason or another, though, a lot of believers today have kind of shunned away, I think, uh, from wanting to understand the full meaning and the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, there was a tremendous movement, which was known as the Charismatic Movement. And it seemed like that movement had scared a lot of Baptists. And, and, and friend, I want you to understand, there's nothing in the Bible you have to be scared of. There is something that we need to understand and need to practice and need to exercise in our life. I remember when I was growing up, my mom tried to teach me some manners. Whether I learned that or not, I, she tried to teach me certain manners. And she was saying that as a little boy, as you grow up, there are certain questions you just don't ask adults. For example, you don't ask a woman... How old she is. You don't ask a woman, is that your real color of your hair? (laughs) You don't ask, how much do you weigh? (laughs) There are just certain questions you just don't ask. And, um, I remember hearing one guy, one little boy asked one little, uh, asked the lady, said, you mean to tell me that uh, that facelift didn't work after all? <laughs> well, you know, there are certain questions you don't ask. Well, there is one question I want to ask you today. Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? That's a personal question. Now, I didn't ask, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? But I'm asking are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? And we're going to say, see in the Word of God today, where that is a continuous action. That verb 
There in chapter 5, verse 18, where it talks about be filled. It is in the Greek concept of a continuous action that I am to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. I remember reading about John Hyde. John Hyde, you may not be familiar with him, but he was the first missionary to India. And John Hyde came from a very wealthy family. And what John Hyde had received such a burden to go to India to, to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that he sold everything. He renounced everything. He renounced his wealth. He renounced his name. He renounced all of the comforts of life that mankind could have, possibly have to go to India. On his way, as he boarded upon that ship from New York, and as he began to make his way to India, he received a telegram message. And this telegram message came from a friend. And this very simple, but very pointed message, it said, John, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit today? By the admission of John Hyde, he said it, became, it made him very angry. How dare somebody question my spirituality? How dare somebody would question I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit when I have renounced all that I have? And somebody would have the audacity to ask me, am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? By his own admission. He said he was awakened in the middle of the night. And the Holy Spirit of God gripped his heart and said, John, your pride has hindered you from being filled with the Holy Spirit. All outward gestures appeared that he was filled. But inwardly, he was filled with pride. Look what I have done for the Lord. And yet, that in itself hindered him from being filled with the Spirit. John said that he got down on his knees and with a broken heart, he says, Oh God, how could I ever dare to stand and to proclaim the gospel without the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit upon my life? And today, I submit all, and I confess all, that I might be filled with your Holy Spirit, that the power of God might be exercised in and through my life. So I ask you the question today, is there a possibility of a sin in your life that may not be visible to the naked eye of mankind, but certainly it has appeared before the Lord, sin of greed, a sin of pride, a sin of animosity, a sin that is hidden in your heart, that has hindered and hampered your being, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I want to talk about that today. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me? Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading that very famous, important verse of Scripture, verse 18 and following. In fact, let's just go back to verse 15. Let's do this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. But now notice what he says. But understand the will of the Lord is. We talked about that a couple Sundays ago. The importance of what the will of God is. And I said 95% we know what the will of God is. And so people are constantly running around and saying, what is God's will for my life? Well, my friend, there is one thing you can be sure of through the word of God that God says it is the will of God for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Oh, Father, our hearts desire today that we might be broken, that we might come to the realization and to know that our bodies is truly the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you have the desire or want to fill this temple and to control this temple and to use this temple and to anoint this temple for your glory and for your honor. So, Father, I pray for your anointing and your feeling of your spirit upon our lives today. And that we might go out of here as people that has been empowered by God's spirit. And, Father, we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Three simple truths that I want to share with you this morning as we think about the importance of being filled with the Spirit of God. First of all, you'll go back to verse 18. That Spirit-filled life is a commanded life. Now, you'll notice that as you look at verse 18, it immediately describes to us a command. It says that you may perfectly know what the will of God is. And then right on the heels of that, he goes there and he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, that you might understand the will of God. And the will of God for your life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you notice as you study this passage of Scripture, it's not a suggestion. It's not even a request. But it is a command that comes from God himself. To live apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit is to live a life of sin. That's how serious this really is. To live apart from filling, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a life of sin. And so he talks about the will of God here. Now, I want you to understand, as you talk, talk and think about the Holy Spirit, who he is. He is a person. He is a part of the Trinity. 
He is a part of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, we do not call God the Father as God the Holy Father. We do not call Jesus Christ God the Holy Jesus Christ, even though they are holy. But yet when we come to the Spirit, we do refer to Him as the Holy Spirit. Now, why do we refer to Him as the Holy Spirit? We refer to Him as the Holy Spirit because of the unique work that He demonstrates in and through our life. It is through that unique work that he demonstrates in our life that brings in the process of holiness, brings in the process of being Christ-like, being like the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing him to be ruled and reign in our life. Now, I think it's interesting. As you go back and you study the doctrines of the Holy Spirit, you're never commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hear a lot of people today, some of our charismatic friends will say, "Uh, have you ever been baptized in the Spirit? Well, I'm happy to say I have been baptized in the Spirit. I was baptized at the moment of my new birth. Baptized means to be placed into. And therefore, I was placed into the body of Christ. I was placed into the family of God. And you were too, my friend. And so therefore, I'm not commanded to be baptized. I was baptized by the work of the Holy Spirit when he came into my life at the new birth. Neither am I commanded not only not to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but then I am not to be commanded to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. But yet I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. At the moment of the new birth, the Holy Spirit of God came and he sealed me until the day of redemption. And therefore, my friend, I am not commanded, but I have been sealed. And then, of course, I am not commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. As I've already stated, I was indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment of the new birth. That Christ himself came into my life through the presence of God's Holy Spirit. So therefore, I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I have been preserved by the Holy Spirit. I have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's a one-time thing, my friend. But now when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a different question. That's a different story. And therefore, as you go and you begin to look in this passage of Scripture, you'll notice in this passage of Scripture that it's plural. He's not talking about just for the pastor to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about just the evangelist. He's not talking about just the deacon or just the superstar of the spiritual life. He's talking about every single person that has been saved that has been born again, that has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's talking about every person to be filled with the Spirit of God. So it's it's a plural action. But it's also in the present tense. It's meaning that it's something that I should be experiencing continuously. Did you know I could be filled with the Holy Spirit today? 
and this afternoon not be filled with the Holy Spirit. That only takes sin. And it's so easy and typical of how easy that can happen, my friend. I was telling uh, my um, staff the other week, we was talking about this subject, and I said, it sort of reminded me of a story one time. I uh, was going to uh, preach at a revival. And uh, I was running kind of late, but I was driving my automobile to this church. It was out in the country. And as I was driving, uh, there was this little old lady just happened to pull right in front of me. And she started running about 25 miles an hour. I'm running late, and I'm trying to get around that automobile, and I couldn't get around. And every time I tried to pass her, there would come a car. Or every time I tried to pass her, there would be a curve. And the next thing you know, my face started turning red. Next thing you know, I started losing my temper. Now, here I am on my way to church to preach about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, when I left home, I was okay. But on the way, I got short-circuited. Well, I don't remember when there happened to be an opening, and I wheeled around her, and boy, I, I wanted to just shake my fist. I didn't, but I wanted to. They say confession is good for your soul, but it's not too good for your reputation. But anyway, I'm just being real to you this morning. And so I wheeled into the church and I got my Bible out and I was getting ready to go walk up to the doors of that church and thinking, man, hey, I'm going to preach a great sermon today. And about that time, I saw a little white-haired lady (laughs) drive up in the parking lot. Boy, I want you to know God hit me right between the eyes. God says, yeah, now you go up there and start talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I had to go to that lady and apologize. She said, Sonny boy, I didn't even see you. I said, I know. Do you see what I'm talking about? It doesn't take much. And boy, I'm going to tell you the that the devil himself will throw a curve at you. Now, I think it's interesting. He talks about a contrast here. He says, not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I know your reaction, but I just want to put it out for a moment. What if next Sunday morning I would walk up into the pulpit and I'd be kind of staggering My words would be slurring. And you could walk up and you could smell alcohol upon my breath. And I'm getting up here in this pulpit starting to talk about the Word of God and preach the Word of God. You would say, how dare you, Pastor? How dare you to walk into that pulpit, be filled with alcoholic beverages? What an abomination against God. And it would be. And it would be. But I want you to understand that there where he says, 
be not drunk with wine, in that same sentence, he says, but be filled with the Spirit of God. He is saying, it's just as bad for a man of God to walk into the pulpit to preach the Word of God and not be filled with the Spirit of God. See the contrast? Just as bad. Why, if you think about this, 25,000 lives would have been saved last year from drunken driving if they had only been filled with the Spirit of God instead of alcohol. Over $19 billion was charged to claims that alcohol was involved in. I'm not minimizing whatsoever, and you know how I feel about alcohol. I'm not minimizing that, but I'm telling you, and I believe it with all my heart, they probably have been more damaged in churches today with carnal Christians than alcohol has. Churches that have split, churches have destroyed, lives have been destroyed, families have been destroyed, simply because men and women of God have not come to an understanding of the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You see the contrast, but you also see the comparison. A comparison, of course, is when you take in another beverage, an alcoholic beverage in your life, that that alcoholic beverage, as it enters into your life, that it seeps into your life and it begins to take control of your life. It takes control of your words. It takes control of your actions. It takes control of your reactions. It can take control of your walk. And so what... The Apostle Paul was laying out before us today. He says, I want you to understand that this spirit-filled life is a commanded life. You cannot, you cannot, and I say it again, you cannot live the victorious Christian life without being filled with the Spirit of God. And it's a continuous experience. But he goes a step further. He not only talks about that it's a commanded life, but he also talks about that it's a committed life. Now, most Christians ask two questions. When it comes time to being filled with the Holy Spirit, what, what does it mean, and how, how can you be filled? But I think there should be a third question. Why? Why do you want to be filled? Do you want to be filled so that you can use God, or do you want to be filled so that God can use you? That's a good question. We have an assignment in our life, spiritually. And I cry out, Oh God, fill me with your spirit. Is it because I won't? to use him to be able to carry out that assignment, or do I want to submit myself under his authority so that he can use me for his glory? Good question. A lot of people are interested in the feeling, but not necessarily the feeling. 
the thrill of the feel, as some would put it. Well, let me just share with you a couple things. Number one, that our walk determines whether we feel with the Spirit of God. I'm I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, and Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Listen to what it says. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Can you tell somebody whether they're walking in the Spirit? Absolutely. There's something about their life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Let's what the Bible says. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're having a problem with a sin. My friend, the only way to defeat that is for the Holy Spirit to be in control of your life. And as He is in control of your life, He takes away that thirst. He takes away that temptation. He gives you a way out of that temptation. So that's why it's so important as a child of God that as I walk day by day in my affairs of life, that I am filled with the Spirit, that my life will be upright, that my life will be a standard of what the Scripture teaches, and that Christ will be glorified in and through my life. But not only my walk, but my worship. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand, Jesus himself said that way we are to worship him, how? Is in spirit and in truth. The word of God and through the Holy Spirit of God. What have we been doing for the first 30, 45 minutes of our service? We've been worshiping in songs. The reason why some people endure worship and not enjoy worship is because of their carnality. The old flesh don't want to worship. But the Spirit of God that is living in your heart and living in your life, He has a desire to magnify Jesus Christ. And when those songs that are sung, my friend, that magnifies and glorifies and praises the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit of God is clapping His hand and He's raising His hand and He is saying, Glory to the name of the Son of the living God. But we are so carnal sometimes that that offends us. We are so carnal sometimes that we think, why, I'm too sophisticated to be a part of something like that. Shame on us, my friend. You're not going to enjoy heaven when you get there. But there's something about the freedom that the Holy Spirit of God gives to you when He is in control of your worship. He's in control of your walk. When he's in control of your witness. How difficult it would be for me to try to go and to share the good news of the gospel. And try to win somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ in my own flesh. But the Holy Spirit, the way he works, he works in the heart of a life of an individual. And then after he works in the life of a heart of an individual, he then works in the heart and the life of that witness. I'm reminded of what the scripture says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. 
tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. There is what is called that relationship between a witness and one that who is receiving that witness. A divine appointment. A divine appointment is when God has worked in the heart of that witness and worked in the heart of that sinner. And he brings the two together. Stephen and the eunuch was a perfect example. Leaving leaving Jerusalem as Stephen did. There he goes down into the desert and there he finds a eunuch there with the word of God reading the book of Isaiah. And Stephen being the man of God that he was, endued with the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. He said, you understand what you're reading? Let me explain it to you. And right there beside the chariot, he leads him to the Lord. How did that happen? It happened by the Spirit of the living God. Bringing the two together. Our witness, our worship, Our walk, our work, our wedded life. How in this world, as I am as a husband, to be the husband of my wife, to love her as my own self, to be one that, to place her before my own self, be willing to die for her. How am I going to do that? My old flesh is not going to want to do that. But it's the Holy Spirit of God that allows that to happen. My friend, don't tell me how spiritual you are at church unless you're spiritual at home. Don't tell me all the great things that you do for God unless you're doing it at home. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And don't you dare tell me that your wife or your husband don't know when you're filled with the Spirit when you're not filled with the Spirit. They know. And that's why we have to confess a lot of times. So, therefore, what we've looked at here already, we've talked about that the Spirit-filled life is a commanded life. We talked about the Spirit-filled life is a committed life. But then last of all, the spirit-filled life is a commended life. A commended life. Look what the Bible says in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting. Three things that will happen, I think, that will happen in your life if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, there'll be gladness in your soul. I I spoke about that just a few moments ago. That is, I think when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll notice in the Scriptures that is found in before us, it's not talking about you're going to have mountain-moving faith. He's not talking about you're going to be speaking in tongues. He's not talking about any of these great mighty things that we long for or desire to have in our life as a Christian. But he says, you'll be making melody in your heart. (laughs) There will be a song that is in your heart. You say, well, preacher, I can't sing. I didn't ask you whether you sing, can sing. I'm asking you, do you want to sing a song for the Lord? 
There's something about that when the, the Holy Spirit's in your heart that he puts a song in your life. And you don't have to audition to be a part of God's choir. That he'll put a song. There'll be gladness in your heart. But not only will there be gladness in your heart, but there will be gratefulness in your heart. Look what he says there in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to give thanks for all things. How in the world do you give thanks for all things? How do you give thanks for cancer? How do you give thanks when there's tragedy? How do you give thanks when things that happen... Bad things happen to good people. How do you give thanks in those kinds? My friend, the only way that you can give thanks is through the Holy Spirit of God. Because He reminds you that all things work together to the good of them who love God, are called according to His purpose. And friend, you can't come up with that. You cannot conjure that up in your own flesh. It is through the Holy Spirit of God that gives you that gratitude of thankfulness. I think I told the story, but I won't tell it again. There was this preacher, young preacher boy, that every time he turned around, there was this Jezebel in his church. She was always on his case. And she was criticizing him, criticizing him, criticizing him. And it seemed like he could never do anything right. And he was preaching. And he came to that verse of Scripture, give thanks for all things. And he thought, how in the world am I going to give thanks for this lady here? He talked to his preacher dad. And his dad said, well, son, it's very easy. Next time she's on your case, he said, just take her by the hand and take her to the the altar and have a word of prayer. He said, well, I don't understand, dad. What do you do? He said, you begin to give thanks. And the thing that you want to thank her... God for us, thank her, thank God that she's not your wife. <laughs> Give thanks for all things. Somehow, some way, God shows us a way to give thanks for things that we don't even understand. There'll be gladness in your heart. There'll be gratefulness in your heart, and there will be graciousness. He tells us in verse 21, submitting to one another. In the fear of God, submitting, yielding my rights to someone else. Boy, that'd be a great day in a Baptist church. Submitting my rights to someone else. That's my Sunday school class. That's my chair. That's my pew. That is mine, 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 mine. My friend, you come to a point in place and realize it's not mine, it's God's. God just allows me to use it. Submitting, submitting myself to the authority of someone else. It's learning how to say, I'm sorry. It's learning how to say, Please forgive me. And it's amazing how that begins to tear down walls. Tear down walls. You look in churches today and you look in homes today and you see that the number one problem with most people 
is selfishness. But when you come to this point of submitting, you submit to the Lord and you submit to a brother and you find yourself coming in last. That's when the Holy Spirit is God is coming in your life. You say, well, Pastor, you've convinced me. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I be filled? I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that I've got a handful of keys in my hand. And this handful of keys represents many, many different compartments in my life. We try to compartmentalize God. I don't know if you realize that or not. We want him on Sunday, but on Monday at work, well, he can take a back seat. There was this great preacher heard Charles Wesley preach one time on the spirit-filled life. And here's what he did. He took his keys and he laid them down the altar. And he says, this keys represent my life. This key represents my wife and my family. This key represents my church. This key represents my finances. This key represents my hidden life. And he went every compartment of his life and he lays them on the altar and he takes his hands off and he says, Lord, I surrender all. All to thee I owe. And my friend, that's exactly the way that you're filled with the Spirit of God. Submit. Confess. Repent. And immediately, the Holy Spirit of God begins to control you in areas of your life that you never imagined. Bow with me. Thank you, Jesus for paying it all that we might have it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word of God and for the way that he teaches us of how to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God convict us when there's sin in our life, convict us when we have failed to give you liberty and rights of our life. Lord, have your will and way as people will respond to your calling. There's some here today that's never been saved, and certainly that is the first desire of the Holy Spirit, is to be able to come in someone's life. And by them submitting their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing their sins and believing in their heart, God raised from the dead shall be saved. And Lord, we pray that those will be saved today. But we pray for the believer today. What a godly principle to live a godly life. Some here today need to unite with this church. God, the Holy Spirit, has called them to be a part of the fellowship of this church. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will give them that liberty and that freedom and that boldness to come forward. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.